Stuart Bray, we're in London having a chat. Is that better? It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> So, the book is done, mostly. <laughs> Are you relieved? Now, I think. Um, yeah, it's it still hasn't quite sunk in yet that I'm finished with it because it's just been, I don't want this to sound bad, but it's been a real pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was easier writing the original first edition from scratch than than the third edition because there's so much new content going into it in mm-hmm. addition to what's already in the first edition and the second edition and trying to make it all flow and fit and not diminish what's already there and adding to it and trying not to be overly repetitive because you know I'm I'm sticking stuff in here and I'm sticking stuff in here. It's not like, okay, well, this is a stopping point and here's the beginning point and we just carry on from there. There's new stuff going in all over the place. I think the third edition is going to be really, really, really good. Uh, But it was just a pain in the ass getting there. I, I think I was close to, and still, my, my editors are, have been phenomenal and, I'm not trimming anything, and I'm probably close to 60,000 words over my word count. Uh, <laughs> Which tells me, Todd, that you have more in you that we need to work on. <laughs> so so everything everything is there. What we've done, um, and I think it's, it's great, is, I mean, the book has already always had a companion website, mm-hmm. but there hasn't been much stuff on it. The, the, the first edition had a DVD that had a couple of tutorial videos and a whole gallery of, of um, hundreds, literally hundreds of images uh, from a lot of different people on the website. And the th- second edition didn't have the DVD, but all of that content from the, the DVD went on to the companion website. It's all still there. And now we're moving content from the first and second editions onto the companion website to make room for all of the new stuff. I mean, there are... Matthew Mungle gave me three amazing step-by-step detailed tutorials. A couple of hair tutorials from Sasha Camacho that are, oh my God. And then a wonderful... I mean, you've probably seen a couple of the images that Karen Jackson and Kevin Wozner for this full-body character makeup that they did. Um, there's so much new stuff. Amazing. It's I'm, I'm excited. Over a thousand photographs. Um, I, I can't wait to see it. And what we're doing with, with all of the, the content that's moving to the website, it's all being formatted the same way. It's all being typeset just like the book so that it can all be downloaded and used offline 
print it if, if they want. So everything online is going to look just like the pages of the book. That's really smart, man. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I bet you can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm, you say, I'm stoked. It's hard work, but it, so, it's, it's weird when it stops, isn't it? It's like running down a long flight of stairs and then getting to the last step. And, you know, you're not expecting yeah. it. You've done so many steps. It's like... Thwap. Thwap. So now I'm working on... I'm, I'm acquiring some, some quotes for the, the new edition that will go on the back cover and just inside and i'm guessing after the first of the year we'll probably we'll start making page revisions i'll get to, to look at proofs and we'll find typos and correct things and maybe move a few more things here and there and mm -hmm. change change photo sizes and so on but yeah it's it's nice being able to coast into the holidays now that it's done the the bad thing about it was because it was so much work. And when I, when I got back from, from China teaching at OA Makeup, and I have to send you pictures of, of the school that's almost finished construction, and it looks absolutely astonishing. Uh, the, the interior of the school is just gorgeous. I can't wait to go back and, and see it all in person. But since getting back from China, you know, I've, I've been doing literally nothing but the book i think i've done two small projects since august because the book has been that much that much work mm -hmm. and now i i after the holidays i gotta hit the ground running so i can make some money got bills to pay and you've been teaching all week haven't you you've been been all yeah. over the uk yeah, I, I've been, uh, it was uh, myself and, and Dave Powell uh, from PS Composites. We went up to a couple of colleges. We went to Manchester, which was good, and also um, mm -hmm. Bolton. And Bolton and Bolton Uni have got, they've got a really cool program there. They they do visual effects and practical effects there. And they were doing, um, they, ha they have like one of their projects is they have to basically make some footage and they work with the visual effects people who are training and the practical and they divide up what's going to be done and they make a piece of footage. that's so that's super really really smart and, and the guys there are just i honestly i've been to a lot of colleges but this place have really got it figured out they're really really good so so uh, yeah richard and, and natalie and all the guys there they just did a fantastic job they were so they're, they're just you can just tell the people really care about the place i mean i teach at a lot of different colleges here and there and universities and it's not often you see people who are that all joined up all the all the staff that do the teaching are really passionate about it and they're their staff room is like a games room. It's like a big games room, and they all have like a That's set of very dice cool. that they play a lot role playing games and stuff. It's just really joined <laughs> up. So uh, if if you go there, I think you're pretty lucky because <laughs> colleges are not usually that well put together. Well, when you can get visual effects people and makeup people working together, wow! Yeah, uh, interesting. That's, is that's that the a, way it needs to be. Yeah is that is that a three D printer I see in the background? I can hear a hum and a drum. It is. It's away. it's it's um yeah printing away. It's um printing a, a small version of my head oh, wow. that I finessed in Z. Here's a teeny-weeny one you can see. Amazing. Um, we have to get a picture of that and I've, put that on the blog post. This one I have made a food-safe silicone mold out of, and I'm going to make chocolate tods. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it'll taste right. <laughs> I hope so too. Going to do dark, dark chocolate, dark chocolate and cherries. 
Nice. Yum, yum. Amazing. I'm just going to screen grab of that. I'm just going to save that. Amazing. Yeah, the printer, the printer in the background is, is a, it's a Lulz bot. You know, give a shout out to the, the folks at Lulzbot for um, letting me use this Taz 6 printer for the research in my book for the new chapter because there is a new chapter on 3D printing for prosthetics and animatronics. And this this thing is a cool printer. Amazing. I mean, there are lots of great 3D printers, but this is the one I've been getting getting familiar with. And I'm digging it. Amazing. Well, we're going to be talking about that in the next one because uh, we have an interview coming up with uh, Christopher Donboss in the next one, uh, talking all about 3D printing. Yeah. Wanna, we'll, we'll chat with you because I know you've been uh, working hard on this with the whole 3D printing thing, and I'm interested because I personally am pretty stupid about all this. I, I know of well, it, but Chris I don't is, know that much about it, but I, I know you've been playing with it too. Well, Chris has contributed some stuff to it, uh, which has added added immensely to the to the quality of the chapter because... I, I'm I'm an, ad, an admitted novice here, and Chris has been involved with it for several years already, and I've learned a ton just talking to him, mm-hmm. as well as doing my own research. I think this is the thing about the 3D printing thing is that there's so much potential there, and there's so much cool stuff, and the prices come down, but it, it feels like it's not accessible to a lot of people, I suppose. They don't know where to start, because it sounds very confusing, and I think part Probably of- more than, than you would think. Um, the more the more I'm finding out, the the more I'm realizing. Wow, I mean, it's been around since the the 1980s, and the stuff that's. I mean, Rod Maxwell um, has did a tutorial for the chapter. Uh, he has a, a Form uh, Labs Form Two SLA resin printer, and he took a digital file of my face that I had scanned um, using photogrammetry and scanned into uh, reality, capturing reality and brought into ZBrush, cleaned it up, sent it to Rod, who cleaned it up even further, sculpted an aged prosthetic, and then printed the positive and the negative molds and cast an encapsulated silicone prosthetic in it. Wow. And it turned, it's amazing. And this is in the book. Yeah, the world... Yep, 3D printing has changed the world, my friend. It's, <laughs> it's so cool. We and there's no turning back. Well, it's 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 figuring out how to start doing it, how to get involved. I think that's the most important thing. But we'll save this for the next one because, like I say, this one, this podcast, this is, this is worthy of a good good podcast. I think so. Well, I think we may have to do a few on this because I think it would be really nice yeah. if we can get maybe Mr. Maxwell on here too at some point. But we we've, we've got one yeah, in the can. He would. With, with he would Chris. love it. We got one account with Chris, but this uh, this podcast is is, is slightly different. Oh, we have some fantastic news. I mean, if you're listening to this anyway, you already have access to this. But we are now on Spotify, woo! Which is a big Spotify, deal, motherfuckers. Yeah, <laughs> it's a fucking big deal because sixteen point two million people have a Spotify account. So that's a very wide. I'm not suggesting every one of them would listen to us, but it'd be nice. Um, but uh, it's, it certainly makes it easier for people to listen to us because you can get that for free. You can listen to Spotify for free, so you can stream it. You don't have to download it. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, that you know, so we're on we're on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Uh, yeah, it's all over the place as well as that Google Play. It's amazing. So we're getting out there. So that's good. Thank you for listening. Keep listening. Tell your friends. Tell your parents. 
So, so this podcast, I mean, like I say, the next, next one's going to be uh, chatting to Christopher Donboss, and we're, we're all about the, the 3D printing. This podcast, and I'm, sh- I'm really sad you couldn't make this one to come, because obviously it's in England. It's a bit of a trek for uh, you to have to yeah. haul over when you're writing a book. Um, I was so, so sad. But, <laughs> but you got to, to spend time with two of my favorite people. I did, with the Mikashes. Amazing time. So, yeah, it was really, really cool. So, basically, they were over here for uh, the prosthetics event, uh, which I couldn't get to because I was too busy. But, um, yeah, it was it was amazing. So, basically, we, we, I went to their hotel and I, I spent a few hours. We had some beer, which was cool. And then Aaron ordered, like, room service, which included beer and desserts and fries. It was like a kid's, like, party. It was amazing, but with Sweet. beer. <laughs> but it was am- amazing. She's and like- we just sat down and just chatted. She's like a mom. Yeah, she was. She just kept feeding me all this stuff. And it, they was lovely, <laughs> lovely. I've never spent time with them. Um, you know, we had breakfast that time where you... you, you um, right. You know, you arranged to have breakfast and I, I could tag along uh, IMATS this year. But uh, it was just so cool just to have a nice chat. We sat for two hours at least. Plus, we had beers before. Um, just talking stuff. It was amazing. It was lucky because we went to the hotel room. And the hotel room was a very plush hotel room with lots of soft furnishings. So it was just the perfect audio recording studio because there were so many big curtains and sofas and bedding everywhere. And like, you know, it was it was lovely. It was really cool. <laughs> we were originally going to do it in the bar, but it was just too noisy. Oh, I, I, heard, I listened to it already. It, it sounds great. So I'm looking forward to that. And, and also, so much information. Yeah, a lot of information. It was very, very cool. Um, so anyway, uh, we chatted about stuff. Now, they were uh, obviously we, we mentioned... Um, uh, Gary uh, and Pat Christensen's book, um, the new book uh, that they released, The Leading Ladies of Makeup. So we mm-hmm. talked a little bit about that because Aaron features quite heavily in that, which was cool. And then we were talking about the Lost Boys reunion. There's a bunch of whole other stuff. We were talking about the Lost Boys reunion. I really, really got excited about that because we were there at the, the IMATS where they did the makeups. Right. Uh, the, sorry, not the makeups. They did the, the panel. And then they did the makeups, and it was just... Ed Monsterpalooza. Yeah, Monsterpalooza. And it was yeah. just the amount of... I mean, I, I saw the quality of what they did, but I didn't realize how much work they put into it. Because Aaron... Well, you're here in the recording, but Aaron you know, had spent time trying to make, like, Marco's jacket, you know, with all the little appliques yeah. and the things hanging off it and try and make it screen correct. And it was incredible. And just pulling together all these things and some of the original molds. They used the original molds to run the pieces in i was just like foaming at the mouth it was amazing it's so cool that those still exist thank you aaron for hanging on to them absolutely amazing so i was very very excited to talk about that and then she showed me some pieces she had some stuff that obviously they brought over for the show and there were some pieces from thriller so i got to handle some of the original Ooh. pieces from thriller and they were in really good condition uh you know just base coated but unapplied were they foam yeah foam. foam yeah foam pieces and uh, uh, some of the Lost Boys lenses as well, she still had. And, and a set of teeth, I think they were Michael's teeth. And I was just like, fuck, it's so cool. <laughs> so I just came out of that <laughs> and, and puddings and handling that and talking two hours of effects and just nerding out. So it was like the best evening. It was amazing. So hopefully that comes across in the interview anyway. Interview, it was a chat. It was just a chat. I was sat in the sofa chatting. It was fantastic. Yeah. No, it's it's a... It's a wonderful conversation that the so, three of yeah, you had. So, yeah, so I'm going to... Anyway, I, I keep gassing about it. Let's just go straight to the, uh, to the interview and we'll, we'll catch up with it afterwards. Because it's good. There's a lot of soft furnishings in the room. It's, a, it's kind of silencing the rooms in the background. That's nice. So and we have Mike over there. Yeah. With What is that? 
We ate an entire bottle of, of, what do they call them? Nibbles? Fruit. Fruit nibbles. That doesn't look like fruit. It's like chocolate or something. You can have some. You want other treats? Nice? We keep we keep plying you with, with different sugar delicious... And, and, and alcohol. Alcohol and sugar, and now some french fries oh are coming God. up. Oh, they look like, yeah, like fruit pastels. Where do we get those? Pastels. Liberty, it says on there. That's where Did we you went. Get, so you we went, went to Liberty Street. because I wanted to see the Christmas shop. And oh, I got a Christmas, Christmas a good pudding for... and I, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so gorgeous in there. He was ready to eat something, too, and he was like standing kind of leaning against a wall and I was like hold on it's just a second I'm going to run around in here I bought a couple of things I bought some chocolate and some getting low low blood sugar you get, low blood, you get the shakes get, yeah. get the hangry try to follow Aaron around shopping isn't it? I'm a fast shopper so it's like come on let's do this <laughs> you're fishing you're like I'm mm-hmm. treating this like a script breakdown like, absolutely absolutely. I won't eat that because I'll sound like Ron Perlman in... <laughs> 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 sorry that was too loud Sorry, cackle. Cackling. I was going to say, Cackling. name of the road. <laughs> oh, I start chewing my that. gosh. Yes. I knew exactly what you are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, so I want to talk about, we, we spoke very briefly, if you remember, um, at uh, IMATS. Yes. There was a, we, we, we had, had breakfast. breakfast. That's right. Mm-hmm. And we talked a little bit about, and it was before the book came out. Um, the, the leading ladies in makeup. Yes. Which has just come out. I got my copy like two, three days ago. I saw that on Facebook that you so got it. Or maybe it was Instagram. Yeah. I saw that you were peering over it. I don't know if you've looked through it or not. But I've it's, read like the first chapter. But I need it's to read quite it. good. Yeah. It's like a textbook. It was really good. And it, it made me think a lot about something that never occurred to me because I'm male. But you were in workshops back in the day. Yes. When, and, and all the movies that we were talking earlier about Lost Boys and stuff. Mm-hmm. And all that kind of stuff. And that was a different time then. It really was. I mean, not so different now. There's still think, stuff going on. Yeah, I but... don't think so much for like shop work. I don't think it was that different. You're still doing your, you still have your, you know, your, your casting, your face casting and your life casting. And then your sculpting and your mold making and running. Like those are all, Yeah. it's the same, maybe different materials, upgraded materials, etc. But um, for the most part, it's it's still your basic stuff that was that was going on for the last forty years or something. So, yeah. But that it was a was a little different then. There wasn't there weren't very many women that were doing it at that time. It was you know it was the the you know my my idols and my uh, my mentors were like V Neal and and Margaret Prentice and. Um, and Michelle Burke Mm -hmm. and, but that was like, that was literally it. Like there were those three women that were doing, I wanted to do makeup effects and I really didn't even, wasn't even interested in doing beauty makeup at that time. I was just all about monsters and they were the only people I knew that did that. And then I had a friend that I worked with, um, Camille Calve, who's also in leading ladies of makeup. And, um, and then my friend, uh, Joe Rockow and, you know, Jennifer Aspinall. I didn't know Jennifer. She was on the East Coast for a long time on Saturday Night Live. But you kind of heard about, like, there's a girl that's working at such and such. It's a whispered hush time. That's so cool. And then, like, Karen Mason was a fabricator, amazing fabricator. She still works. And um, so you kind of would you'd come into a shop and you kind of be like, oh, there's a, there's a girl here. That's so cool. So we all kind of stuck together. Mm-hmm. There was only a handful of us. So, um we didn't really, none of us really knew any better. We just knew that we liked doing, we liked monsters. We liked doing makeup and we just kind of, kind of started off and hoped for the best. 
So what? How did you start? What was your like background when you were like growing up? What was the things you were you into horror movies or was it? A... Yes, I was. My, you know, I, I'm like a third generation of, of of loving monsters, and um, my my grandparents were big Halloween fans, and they had big parties. My parents were, um, they still are. You know, they still love Halloween. They still come to our parties. My husband and I have, uh, you know, big parties every year, big Halloween parties, and. Um, they just always were really encouraging about, you know, being artistic and they watched how they watched horror movies. And, you know, there was that stuff on Saturday on Saturdays in, in America where it was they'd show horror films like at noon. You know, my you dad, this whole thing of horror hosts. Yeah. Which they, wasn't really a thing in England. Yeah. Which I, I'm I really jealous so. of. <laughs> it was really cool. And it was just kind of standard. Like you just watched it and they they would show really quite graphic horror films at the time like they'd show hammer films yeah. you know someone would be getting their head lopped off and it would be like yeah wow that's crazy and but you'd be watching it on black and white tvs usually sure. so it wasn't quite as or like you know the televisions weren't aren't like they are now it was that crazy bright red temper exactly like... <laughs> oh yeah it was like it wasn't quite believable but you were but when you're like 10 or whatever yeah it was like, just oh, like oh it's so cool yeah. and your dad would be outside mowing the lawn and come in what are you guys watching oh we're watching this movie about Frankenstein's, you know, Frankenstein's monster, and it was okay, okay, you know, and it's like War of the Gargantuans and like all that, all that, you know, mm-hmm. Godzilla was a big thing that was always on TV. I don't know why, but it was yeah, Godzilla was Godzilla, all the Godzilla monsters and the and the and Gamera seemed like it was on every day, but I'm sure it was on like once a month or something. But my brother was really into monsters, so I was, and he also started making um, Super Eight horror films. And, you know, like martial art films and all that stuff, you know, in the, in the late seventies and early eighties. And I just kind of got, you know, looped into like filming it or like, oh, do this thing, be this person, hold the camera, do the blood gag. And I, and they loved Fangoria and I looked at it and I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like I had no idea. It would scare me, but I loved it. I loved being scared. Mm-hmm. And then the, you know, it was like timing. It was like, and then HBO came out, you know, MTV. And it was all about that same time, and you had access. Yeah, finally had access. Like your parents would like go out of you know go out for dinner or something, and you were old enough to stay home with your brother, and you'd be like, let's turn on whatever hideous that you just scare the crap out of each other, you know? Yeah. And your parents would come home, and then you'd like have to play it off like you hadn't watched anything scary because they'd said like, don't watch. Anything it scary. It was the slasher time, wasn't it? So yeah. Gloria was like, you know, yeah. it was all Jason and Freddy. and Totally. And do you remember the little, um, the, the, the things at the back, it was like before Twitter, there were the, the, the classifieds at the back of Fangoria and it'd be like, Freddy forever. And, oh, yeah. You know, if you're into playing with blood, you know, message me and people would put their mailing address. Yeah, and you, you know. like write them a letter. Oh, <laughs> yeah. my God. It's so crazy. <laughs> it's like, it's creepy. And you look at every single page, you're like, what's this one? Oh, my God. You're just like really... Send away for T-shirts or whatever. Yeah. Was that around the same time as Kung Fu Theater? Yeah, it was kind of about the same. I mean, you, it was all kind of the same. What was you, that? That sounds like something like that. You either would have turned out to be a makeup artist or a Kung Fu master. <laughs> so, luckily, you chose the route of I think, yeah. But it was all Bruce Lee, Chuck Norris with his stretch jeans, because I used to get Combat <laughs> Magazine when I was a kid. And then, um, uh, yeah, Fangoria. It and then there was those, across. like, martial art ones where they would chop people's heads off and they'd fly across and land on a branch on a tree. Yeah. And you'd be like, what's <laughs> happening in there? It's crazy. Blood dropping down. Like, anything bloody. I was just into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Disneyland, anything scary. 
I'd try and go to the, you know, haunted houses and stuff when I was younger and get right to the front and just chicken out. I loved it. I loved being This scared. was the thing I really missed out on because we didn't have anything like that over right. here. It's starting to creep in now, but I didn't grow up with haunted houses. Right. It really upsets me because they look so Well, you'll cool. have to come, you'll have to come and be amazed at the stuff that goes on in Los Angeles. Like, and all across America, like all across the country uh-huh. in every state, you know. And, and room, you know, the, 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 the what do you call them? Uh, not panic rooms. It's the wrong word. Oh, escape rooms. Escape rooms. They're yeah, a yeah. big deal now. Yeah, yeah. And those are really fun. Thing. We did one in New Orleans. It was super fun. And, um, yeah, there was all that. Baker Street to see what a true Halloween night is like. It's, I know. It's bedlam. It's, There's, like, it's thousands like... and thousands of kids running around, and then he's doing shows, like, in his driveway. And oh, it's my God. Every, <laughs> kids with phone gone... or... <laughs> Oh, yeah, like, every year you kind of go there and just, like, I've watch in amazement. It's really cool. Um, and and Rick Baker um, passes out full size candy bars. bars. So. It's a big deal. I saw Tom Savini had posted something on Instagram about that. He came out, and I wonder if there was like this competing thing with these like kind totally. of effects masters. <gasps> Is that the beer? It's the beer and oh. the desserts and the and the French fries. What did you yeah. order? Did you order sticky toffee pudding? Oh my god! Da, 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 da. <laughs> I know it's, it's crazy. Going. We're gonna have this guy come in here, and we're just gonna be chatting away. So yeah, that was like my, that was my, it was like this weird amalgam of younger brother obsessed with monsters, parents obsessed with monsters, me loving it, always loving to be scared. And then like MTV generation, HBO generation, exposure to all that stuff, which kind of just rolled over into, that's what I wanted to do. But I didn't really know as most people, it's kind of a similar story. Mm -hmm. Didn't know it was a career thought it was just something you enjoyed and then as I took art classes and did little makeups and stuff in theater and stuff you just kind of all of a sudden someone you you watch you know American World in London when I'm 14 with a double feature of the thing yeah it's a it's a game changing it's a and it was literally like oh you know just like what it's happening this is this is what I want to do. And then like that summer, because those movies came out, there was like a little behind the scenes thing, like on TV, you'd be like, Hey, the new movie coming out. And there's Rick Baker talking about, and you were like, wait a minute. What do you mean? Like you just didn't have the concept of like that. A movie was someone's someone's job. job. Yeah. And then I was just like, this is what I want to do. And it took me a little while to kind of like, there was cheerleading and school and parties and stuff. And, but I'd always kind of come back to monsters, like Mm -hmm. just loving it. And torturing my friends with, like, let's go home at lunch and watch Thriller again. Like, I'd recorded it off the TV. Did you ever think 30 years later you'd be going to Rick Baker's house and getting full-size candy bars? No. Nope. Didn't know. But also didn't think (laughs) I'd work for him. Like, this was, like, in 83 or 84. And I was working for him in, like, 88. So only, like, four years later. of him enough to have the reverence. So when it happened, you were like, this Mm -hmm. is a big deal. Someone said, I think it was Jim McLaughlin. He was my roommate. And, um, we had a lot of fun living together and, um, you know, he's, was at that time a really big mold maker. He does, he does a lot more stuff here and there, like kind of it's branched out a little bit more since then, but he ran Rick's mold shop for a long time. But, um, at that time he was my roommate and he said, you, you should call Rick. They're hiring right now for, they're going to start something up. And it, Cinovation was smaller then. So he, I called and I got an interview. So I ended up going over there and doing molds because I was, that was kind of what I was really good at was doing molds and then um, some finishing work and stuff, but I wasn't a good sculptor and, um, and 
you know, was still Mold- learning and the other stuff. Yeah, molding is one of those weird things. Because I spent a lot of time making molds. And it's one of those things that you can't screw up a mold. Like, a, if a sculptor's wrong, you can kind of change it, time permitting. Right. But a mold is quite a commitment. Did you have to make a mold for him to show or... Did no, you just but trust I, what you I had, had done? pictures that was in my portfolio of molds that I that I'd done. And at that time, you know, there weren't as many options. There were fiberglass molds. You had your two part silicone, you know, two piece silicone, a silicone, uh, you know, jacket, a jacket mold, and 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 your plaster were hydrocal or ultracal mold. So, mm-hmm. and I had pictures of all that and good references. And I'd worked for Stan before that, and. John Beekler and Real Effects and some other companies. So, um, luckily, it was, um, you know, he hired me and maybe, I'm sure Jim put in a good word for me awesome. that I knew what I was doing. So, I did Moltrum for like, I don't think I worked for him for like a year or a year or so. I did Gremlins 2 and Something's Out There was a TV show and then there was something else. I can't remember what else. Oh, Moonwalker. Oh, wow. It was like when he turns into the the jet at the end of um, Mm -hmm. smooth criminal Mm -hmm. worked on that. And it was only like three of us in the mold department. And then it turned into like this giant show with, um, Gremlins too. And, um, at that point I was kind of getting like, I really want, I think I want to be on set. I want to do, do application. And I was starting to get a little, not disenchanted, but I was getting a little like, I'm just doing molds now at that point. And I went on to do, to do more molds and stuff at other shops. But at one point, I decided that I was just going to say, I'm not doing molds anymore. I'll do finishing work because that would help with application, like hair work and seaming and stuff. And so I kind of moved into that. Amazing. Yeah. It's, you know, at, at some point I was like, I need, I want to be on set. Like, so I you're kind of driven by what it was that you were, not bored by, but you wanted different things. You, a little bit. You walked towards it. And I'm get, I get, um, I have, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about, um, having a little touch of ADD kind of mm-hmm. never wanting to be bored and always wanting new input and, and new things going on. And I get very taken by, Oh, I want to do that. Oh, I want to do that. So I had to kind of like really focus in on what do you want to do? I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I was taking classes like producing and directing classes and I was taking sculpting classes and like, so these are things it? that were just self-directed. Like you decided you wanted to yeah. do these things. Do your parents support you with that kind Always. of thing? Always. So they were always behind you with that. Yeah. They were saying, "Oh, Aaron, you really should be going to medical well, for school." Well, a moment or... there, they were. I mean, I took like I took an effects class um, while I was in college, and it was um, Sandra Berman ran it. It was the only time she ran it, and it was uh, you learned your basics of makeup effects um, to work in a shop. And I kind of was I had enough experience to like go in and like basically sweep up. And John Beekler hired me as a runner, and I basically just, you know, shopped and and supplied the shop and cleaned up a little bit here and there. And then he would, like, say, come in and help me do a life cast, or come in and help us do this, or here, you do this mold. And because it was such a small shop, and they did so many films, mm-hmm. you know, they did like a film a month, like it was crazy, wow. that you just kind of... Whatever needed to be done, you just kind of got in and got to do. So I, I got to get my fingers in a little bit of n- nothing mechanical. I could never do that stuff. That was John Criswell did all that. But um, I got to see all that. So I got this incredible background mm-hmm. of seeing how everything could be done. And and it's been priceless, you know, in my career of moving forward in department heading and, and being in charge of, you know, prosthetics department on set and knowing what to ask for and 
you know, if a prosthetic isn't working correctly, like how we can fix it and mm -hmm. change it or remold it or maybe do some fine tuning on sculpting. Like that's where I got, where I learned how to do all that stuff. Yeah. I think it's important to start, because there are certain things that you're never necessarily going to do professionally. I can't even make makeup artists on a, a course. Right. And they'll do something and they go, yeah, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll go so far, but they'll probably end up going back to doing their normal job and occasionally have prosthetics. But because they know what it involves, they don't mind going, yeah, that is, you know, a full creature suit is not something I'm going to. So I have no right. problem saying Barry Gower, you know, you do that or whatever, <laughs> because I know, do you know what I mean? You don't, you don't, you don't want to feel like that's something. Whereas if you don't know what's involved, you might sort of kid yourself thinking, oh, that's not so difficult. But you see these things, you go, that's a lot of work. Or, oh, exactly. you know, a whole scene is 50 people with wigs. That's a lot of work. Right. If we've got to knot those wigs, or, you know, let's not kid ourselves. That's a lot of work. So, well, that's when you bring yeah. in, like, you know, I said, like, I'm, I can sculpt, but I'm, it would take me a very long time to do something. Um, it would take me a year to do something that was, that most people, that our professional sculptors can knock out in like two or three days, you know, mm -hmm. it's, um, so you really learn to appreciate how long it takes people to do things. And, and also, you know, when you are, when someone is a producer, someone's saying like, well, we want to shoot this in a week. And you're like, in your mind, you're like tabulating, like, well, we don't even have the actor life cast yet. Yeah. We need this time. We need to like this many days and we need that many days and that I'm like, mm, not in a week. Yeah. Week and a half maybe for this, something that's like not super involved but when it's really intricate stuff like you really have to know your scheduling on how long things take so how did you guys meet at what point did you guys become a, 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 a we met were you with the same oh well you, you tell the, the story and he my, my story involves me walking into a meeting like in slow motion and uh, dream weaver playing but that's, <laughs> that's pretty much made up so yeah that's i think mine's a little more realistic but <laughs> Mike always likes to say that that he was um you know he had to date me because I was the boss. But that's um that's not quite true. Pressure. Peer pressure. But um we met on uh I Christian Tinsley shop used to do all of my effects for me and they do beautiful amazing tattoos and the film that we were on I was doing Alpha Dog um, had a ton of tattoos on it and Christian said, well, you should come in and talk to Mike. He's done tattoos for you before, but you haven't met him. So we met and we did all these tattoos together and he would come to set and put them on Justin Timberlake and, um, Ben Foster and all these people. We would, we would work together and put these on and we be, we just became, uh, you know, friends because of it. And then we ended up going on a date and that was it. And it was 14 years ago tomorrow. Damn. I know. Did you remember? You thought it was today. <laughs> I thought it was today for a second, but it wasn't. It's tomorrow. But um but we, we, we just um we ended up hitting it off. We were we were friends first and had a really good time together. So um he and I have very different backgrounds as far as family life and how he became involved in, in makeup and um I I'd, I'd always been obsessed since I was like seven, obsessed with makeup and monsters and he was a, he's a graphic artist by trade and, um, ended up kind of, it kind of rolled over into, um, uh, Christian asked him to come and start designing some of the tattoos for him. He had too much work on his hands cause his transfer method was just like, you know, taking over. Mm -hmm. And, um, so Mike did a lot of that stuff for a while and then it kind of ended up being, he was on set more and because of his amazing art background, 
it really transferred over into being an amazing artist in other aspects and makeup. And mm-hmm. so he started working on set and is an amazing, amazing makeup artist. I've heard good things about your tattoos and stuff. I know you already bought me a coat today for my birthday, oh, okay. so that's good enough. <laughs> but he's, yeah, he's fan. It was, we were sitting there like, here, I'll show you how to do black eye and, you're doing a black eye on someone, you know, like showing him and he's like, Oh, like this. And it's like, okay, you're, you've got that down. Something I've been practicing for years and you just pick it up. Yeah. Because it, that artistic... in your head, it's a graphic. It's an image. It's, yeah. It's a distribution of color over surface. Exactly. I break things down. Like I always kind of have, and I don't know. It's luckily I've had great, great people, obviously. Yeah. It's not just, not just me, but they just nice beauty out. makeups and it's diversified. So we just, you know, we've uh, been together for 14 years, and we just um, had a lot of fun together. And we work we work together probably like about six months out of the year we work together, and then the other six months he's you know doing something else or I'm doing something else. So it's nice. We have a good time together. It's amazing. I remember seeing you. You posted something on Facebook, and you were like saying, you know, you wake up in the morning and you know he's working. Oh, yeah. Before work, like perfecting some. There's a thing yeah. he has to work on, and every day he'll just, you know, spend I just a bit like, of time. I'm always so amazed that he's just, he gets up before work and draws, and he he does a lot of design work. Um, uh, he still does a lot of tattoo designs for people, and and he's always on the side as well as working, you know. It's my side 15, hustle. 15, it's your side hustle. <laughs> as soon as, you know, he's working you know, the hours we work, 15 hours, 14 hours, you know, 16 hours or something, but he'll get up, but he'll draw at lunch. He draws before work. He's always involving himself in art. He's always bettering himself. It's just fantastic. And I see a lot of people that, um, not a ton of people, but people that kind of have their hand out a little bit thinking Mm -hmm. that they deserve to be doing bigger makeups or they don't have quite as much experience, but they think that they should be doing something a little bit fancier than they're doing and they're not practicing or they're not making themselves, themselves better out doing, artists. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you want to do that, you need to be at home, you know, whether it's painting on your arm or painting on your iPad or practicing makeups or, you know, doing demos or something like you have to keep You've got to working. keep doing it. I constantly, I mean, I'm not a good airbrush artist, but I, I practice. So just to keep, like, if I haven't done it in a while, I, I, I at lunch, I, I sit there and practice and go, oh, yeah, I got, I remember this part. I know how to do it now. Mm-hmm. I remember that I had this part down. So, but I have to, I have to work at keeping my skills up because it, if it was only about makeup, I would, I would be so much better. But um, it isn't. It's a lot of paperwork. <laughs> so, and, and taking care of the people that work for me. But um, you have to constantly um, practice. Mm-hmm. You, you lose your skills and, and he does. He he he's constantly working on becoming better. He's, it was a he's worked very hard to be as good as he is. Is that is that the beer talking? Yep. Okay. It's uh, the cider talking. It's not the beer. There we go. Yeah, it's the apple juice doing its magic. But it's true. Urban it's one orchard. of those things. You know, if you want to be good at something, it's it's. I think I do believe you become what you do most. Absolutely. Just uh, you know, if you don't. If you don't put the hours in, you don't get there. And there are a lot of people that want to have mm-hmm. the success or the perceived success that being mm-hmm. good at something would give them, but they don't want to get up early or, you know, miss out on whatever. Yeah, you got to be at those hours in. Doing an old age makeup, if you want to 
get a job doing all these makeups. Mm -hmm. you, know, you, get, you can't just rely on doing, you know, I mean, zo dirty zombies, bloody zombies. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the jobs you're going to get. Not that that's not a great job, but you know what I'm saying. It's the yeah, you don't want to limit yourself to, to yeah. those you things. Get out there and yeah. like, you know. But that belongs to a much bigger thing. It's like, you know, I know cyclists like will run and they'll do things other than cycling yeah. that will enhance their ability mm -hmm. to cycle. You know, right. it's not just about doing that It's one working thing. different muscles. Expand, yeah, yeah. I remember going in, in school when I should have been doing my English uh, <laughs> homework. I, I would just draw circles and I'd constantly draw the same line over and over and over and over and over again just so I could make sure that my muscle memory would, you know, kick in later that I know it was going to. The fact that that was a factor for you, you think I need to know this and I can... Yeah, I just, you know, I ended up drawing for the school newspaper, but uh, that's because I was failing English and, and they decided to give me some credits drawing. But, you know what I'm saying, it's like, I was just, I don't know, I just love drawing, I guess. I think that is the thing, you've got to love it. I think, yeah. I think you've got to be nourished by the activity. Yeah to keep wanting to come back. And it's one of the things I see a lot of makeup schools where I've had this question at the moment, Todd and I are talking about um, a lot of colleges. I don't want to get into it now, particularly, I don't want to distract you, but there's a lot of colleges now where they seem to be like, if you can afford to pay to go on the course, you can come on the course. Right. Which means a lot of people that kind of shouldn't be there are there, mm -hmm. which is not the case when you were an apprentice. It's like, if you were shit, you were fine. Right. So there is something to be said for, being somebody that enjoys the activity of doing it, if you like getting your hands dirty and doing the thing, then you'll do it more. So you kind of deserve to be the one to get the job doing this because you were already doing this yeah. before. And there's something a bit crappy about just seeing a TV show about it or having an idea about it. The analogy I use is going in a restaurant, having a nice meal and going, I like that food, I want to be a chef without ever having any idea what a fucking chef does. Right, And it's exactly. like, that's not what a chef is. Well, there's also you times know. when, like, makeup people, you know, aspiring makeup people say, I think I want to do makeup. And I say, well, I don't think you do, because if you think you want to do makeup, you would have already been doing it. Yeah. Like, it's... it's yeah, you would wait for permission. Yeah, you <laughs> would have already come to me and said, "Here's the pic here's the makeup that I've been doing. Here are the pictures I've been doing. Yeah. I've been this and I've been that and I've been working hard for what do you think my next step is?" Like it's not I I think I want to do makeup. Yeah. It's like, "No. You would have already been obsessed if you wanted to really do it, you would have been obsessed yeah. with it by the time you were cuz you hear that from Howard Berger, you hear that from every single makeup person that loved monsters i loved it from the time i was seven like you just it's always that age it's yeah. like seven or eight like you just you saw something on tv and you were completely compelled you. by it mm -hmm. it's the same thing with sports like if people love like, i wanted to be a soccer player and i just was obsessed with it like when you find your niche you just keep plowing towards that mm -hmm. so by the time you know you're 18 or 19 and you get to go to school or something you'd already been enjoying it for yeah. and working towards it for a long time well, already when I, when I grew up skateboarding you didn't skateboarding you didn't skateboard sorry because you know you were gonna get a girlfriend or you know you, you skateboarded because you loved skateboarding as a matter of fact you got put down because you were a skateboarder right and then you did this yeah, despite it's perceived it. and then later on when they built all the parks and then these little kids would come up to you and go how do I get sponsored? It's like, you shouldn't be worried about getting sponsored. You should be enjoying the act of skateboarding and let that stuff come later. Right. The same thing with the awards you, too. If you, you know, yeah, you, you truly love it. And if it doesn't, then who cares? You still love it. 
Mm-hmm. But people are just looking to get sponsored immediately. It's like, we didn't, we haven't even. Well, that's kind of the, the immediacy of media. The immediacy of media. I mm-hmm. guess nowadays where there's not the, um, the you know, the, the putting in the hard work and, and just, you know, being patient and finding a community of people that you enjoy and working together to let's do this together. And there's not that teamwork. It's more like, I want to be a star now because that's how Instagram works. That's how Facebook works. That's how YouTube videos work Mm -hmm, of, mm of there, there just isn't the uh, camaraderie. I don't feel like maybe I'm wrong because I'm not that I'm not young anymore, but, um, I always felt like the generation of people that I came up with were all about helping each other and and figuring out how to how to be successful together, mm-hmm. as opposed to you know the the um, the want of of being a superstar on your own. Mm-hmm. It just it just doesn't. It's a very odd, was, and it's a very recent skipping. thing. I get emails. Superstars. There was like no. a bunch of misfit kids hanging out together who right. loved it and consoled each other. Right. And, and fed off each other's love of it. And now it's like, there's this. Well, I always got jobs because someone said, oh, they're hiring over there. They, they would call me up and say they're hiring. Like Jim calling me about Rick's or like the next shop. Oh, so and so. It wasn't so much that I was getting pursued to work there as me calling somebody to say, I'm interested in doing it. And you got there and then your friends were there and you're like, this is so cool. So there was definitely, it was a different. I think it was a different time. Yeah, it was like everything that you were doing was f- what happened in the four walls of that place. Right. Whereas now it's like everyone wants to be worldwide. Uh-huh. And it's a very odd... And right away. Yeah, yeah, it's a very odd thing. I mean, I, I, mean, I started posting on an Instagram. I think I had an Instagram account for about a year and a half or so. Mm-hmm. But I didn't even know how it worked. And gradually it's, it kind of picked up. Yeah. But then when you get to a certain amount of followers, you get emails from people asking you to be influencers. Like, what the fuck is that? And mm-hmm. it's like when I post a picture of a mold... It's because I'm like, I'm really excited because I think, <laughs> if I just lift the silicon up, you can see how the keys go in. Yeah. I'm looking for the 15-year-old me that would like to have seen that. That's who that's for. Yeah. Right. And I get excited when someone asks me a question about it. And a lot of it's personal, uh, private messaging, because they, they don't mm-hmm. want to be seen to be asking the question. Yeah. Right. You know, and it's it's really nice. Just like be the person you wanted to be yeah. there for you when you were 15. Yeah. And that's yeah. who I'm talking to. I'm, I'm talking to the 15-year-old me all the yeah. time every time I do this stuff. Because mm-hmm. someone matters who cares about it and I want to matter to that person. Yeah. Right. And, and I enjoy it. I do it for yeah, fun. the excitement of showing something yeah. that's super nerdy. But it's, it's weird that it's encouraged out of that. And I don't I don't like that because it seems completely at odds with the nature of what it is in order to be good at it. Right. And you have to have that that failing. You know, yes. that you have to have that. And I had that. And I, I still have it. But you have that. I mean, it's gotten a little bit more. In the past few years, it's gotten a little bit more even keel, but that, but you know, in the beginning, you're just, you're constantly like, oh, I put myself out there and maybe it wasn't good enough or you just have to kind of, um, I think you need to have the, the failure in order to, I mean, you have to be a fast learner too. So you have to be able to fail and then like go, oh, let's just keep moving on. Mm-hmm. But picking yourself up and being able to, to, um, to do it and, and have the patience to, continue it seems so long when you're in your 20s of like you know 
how am I, how am I doing this? How am I going to do this? How am I going to get the next job or how am I going to pay my bills? And it seems so interminably long, but it actually is very quick, you know, when you, when you put yourself out there and, 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 and continue to, to try and learn and, and, and be a better artist. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't seem like that, that part's missing somehow with the, with social media. It's weird. It's almost like it has this sort of celebrity status, which well, didn't so have anything. There was no part of that was why we did it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and also, I mean, the award part of it too is not. And that's that nice the, when it comes, but it's, oh yeah, but it's a recognition of, of ability. It's not just a thing in itself to be attained. You want to get it for right. doing good work. I mean, I'm really so, a late bloomer as far as that stuff goes. Like, I like it's how really how, late bloomer. I like how Neil put it this weekend. Uh, I'm not looking, like, when you show me your work, I'm not looking how many likes it got, if I'm going to hire you, or, you know... You just need to have my like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm not looking at, like... That's so funny. That was so funny. I know. It's, it, it's, it's true. You have to, but you have to be able to go, go through all that. Some of the stuff you see online, you just... And it's got all these... You just think, it's so... What's horrible the like the such bad makeups was, you know if i get a job where i need a coke can in somebody's eye i'll be sure to <laughs> how many injuries <laughs> are you falling on a coke <laughs> yeah. can yeah the only time i've ever seen that was <laughs> amelia was getting twatted with a can in uh, what was the thing with the and the machines came to life the acdc did the Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Uh, it was he got um, hit in the face when it. it was just like a circle like, bruising. Oh my head. god! It was a Stephen King thing. Yeah, yeah. With the, with the trucks and the big yeah. uh, uh, maximum overdrive. Maximum overdrive. I win! I win! That was it. That was yeah, the only thing. It's true. That was it. It would surely create like a gasket seal around it. It wouldn't be a big bloody mound of. It wouldn't be built. I don't know. You know I know what I'm it's saying. true. And it wouldn't be a real fucking can. Some kind of sorority movie where they're crushing beer cans against their Yeah, that's about it though. But it's true. You just kind of go, oh, okay. And there are some original artists that are out there that you just go, wow, There's that's some amazing beautiful. stuff, actually. It's very, very beautiful. good stuff. A lot of painting, I see. There's a whole trend of mm -hmm. people doing incredible like face painting, like, like three-dimensional mm -hmm. illusions with just paint. Really which, incredible. in a way, you kind of go, I always look through the filter of how would I use that in a show. Mm -hmm. It's like, I wouldn't. But in a way, that kind of has more influence and power in, in itself. Mm -hmm. So I guess the people then want to duplicate that. Kind That's of true. That. And there's nothing wrong with the creativity of that but it's just like, what again what's your motivation is it because you want to paint and from since you were you know yay high you just could you had to paint yeah or is it because you've seen someone who's become popular through their skill and so you want to ape it badly hoping to get the same mm -hmm. recognition it's like me running very slowly and hoping to get the same accolade as someone that wins a gold medal for you know running 100 meters it's like well no it's not <laughs> i have a lot of people that send me stuff like look look at this cool thing i found online and you're just like oh yeah that's really great like you're just really, like it's not yeah. great, but yeah. you just think, but you don't want to discourage somebody from telling you that they think it's cool. So you just go, oh yeah, that's a really that's really cool that they did that. Cause you never want to discourage people. It's just you know you just because um, you never know how that's going to turn out. Maybe that is their beginning. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's how they are getting inspired by posting all that stuff. It's just not the way we do it. So yeah, you know that might I not be the wrong way. That's true. So mm -hmm. we're just the wrong audience for it. Because we're crabby and old and you get off my lawn, you hear me? <laughs> Not the way we did it back in the day. <laughs> that sounds less and less like wrong and more right. <laughs> <laughs>
So these fries oh. are getting colder. It's making me upset. I don't want to eat them, but I don't want them to go cold. So stuffed. You are? Oh my gosh. It's because we've been drinking. Yeah, that's the the drinking will do that. Will, Get yeah, off my non-business. That'll, that'll make everybody... That music's too loud. Do you want some of this? Drink one of these. I want it all. Eat it all. I'm the same. Eat it I'm it not all. that hungry, but it just, it, you the can't fries, waste it. The fries and the ice cream are like the equivalent of dipping your fries in your, your shake. And mm-hmm. This is really delicious, though. So. Sticky toffee. I asked the guy on the phone, what's your favorite dessert? He said sticky toffee pudding with ice cream. All right, send one up. That's good. You could have oh, I'm actually wheat intolerant. Oh, here we go. Right, exactly. Mm. They always ask on the phone, though, do you have any, do you have any allergies? Mm-mm, I don't. Mm. Send it all. That is good. I had an In-N-Out burger for the first time. In January, I came here for IMAX. Oh, yeah. Someone says, you have to go. It's like a California state. You have to go. Did Todd take you? It was pretty good. No, no. It was, um, it was the people I was saying with Nula and Frankie, uh, who ran the Titanic effects. And it was just, mm. yeah, they were saying, we're going to go out. And it was a line, but it moved pretty quick. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. It's a machine. And it was incredible. It was like five guys. Almost. Mm-hmm. I love me. Five Guys. In Washington, we had Dick's Burgers. They good? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like the uh, uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot song. Mm-hmm. This is the place where the cool hang out. That's right. Clock it like a... Oh, that was horrible. No, it was we fine. We just that out of it. <laughs> no, I think you should. Like a mountain of brioche with like... Yeah. I do think you should leave it in. Like yeah. a pound and a half of meat in there or something. I think we went there once when we went up to visit. Oh, yeah, we did. Mm. This is amazing. They had, a, they had mm-hmm. an online thing where, where should we put the next Dick's Burgers when we're really talking about either South King County or North King County? So I'm like, Southern California, of course. They didn't win. That didn't win, that did didn't it? Vote for Southern California over me. Oh my God, I'm oh. fries. They're at a nice Eat temperature now. Eat they them taste up. differently Eat them than up. cool. They have really good fries here. Like, the food is amazing. Because this is kind of our... Mike and I haven't taken very many breaks. <clears throat> And so this has kind of been our, we, you know, Neil Gordon very wonderfully invited Mike and I out to be part of the prosthetic event. And we had the best time and it was amazing. And uh, we learned so much just watching them do makeups. He and Rob did makeups and that was incredible. I saw the Staten Waldorf makeups. So So good. And here's the funny thing is Mike realized that that's what. He knew that that's what the makeups were. (laughs) But for some reason, I didn't. I think it was the jet lag. Well, when you read the brochure of what was going on for the weekend, you read two old hecklers and you were... You were confused too. Actually, is that, that us? us? Are we? Oh, are we the two old hecklers? Is that why I was inviting? Somebody? And they all both they both laughed at me, and I was like, "No, really, I thought maybe they maybe were the two old hecklers." And then um, we got up there, and I was watching these makeups. I was like, "These are such cool makeups." And then Andrew White Oak did the hair. And he put the hair on, and he did it like this, and he did like a mustache. <gasps> and there was a moment. And I went, oh, it's like the Muppets. And Mike was like, yeah, you idiot. And I was like, oh, oh. I think it was <laughs> I think it was the jet lag, because I'm really not of that course. slow on the uptake. No. But um, it, it was so cool. And, of course, um, I think it was Andrew Davies' sister that was Gemma that was one of the models. I think she was okay. um, the, the gray one with the unibrow. Yes. Yeah, which yeah. I never know which one Waldorf and which one who's who. But then they played the music and everything, and they kind of did, like, some of the lines, <laughs> and it was so funny. 
So I was really taken with those. I, I love the Muppet Show. But um, we got to be part of that. We got to do a, um, a little demo, and Joe Nazara did a great interview with us. And we did the prosthetic, I'm sorry, the um, the portfolio doctor thing, the surgery, and had some stuff in the museum, and it was a great time. So we had a great time that day, and then we went to this lovely reception afterwards. And, and then we decided we needed to stay and we needed to stay in London for a couple of days and just chill out. We've had a great time. It's been amazing. We love coming here. Just a stress reliever. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you had a, a bit of downtime. I mean, you go back, you say you've got a few days. We've got Thanksgiving. Yeah. So, you know, you'll have a, yeah, little, a holiday. Nearly a week off. See our family and stuff. And that'll be oh, fun. that's cool. I know. I'm sure you've been sliming it busy. Mm-hmm. It's been good. We just finished... Um, Mike just finished up um, Versace, which just finished uh, shooting... The day he came here, and then I'm doing a TV show called 911, which is actually a little bit more mellow than American Horror Story, but it's 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 been a good time. Mm-hmm. So, yep. But how did you get your start? I was at college. I started in. I started on my 21st birthday, mm. and it was I was working at. Uh, well, sorry, I was at college. I went, but I had a three-year uh, degree called Technical Arts Interpretation at Wimbledon, which was basically a theatre arts, was like prop making and. We seen repainted so you learn to have a drawing and square it up and scale, okay. all that kind of stuff. But the reason I did the course was because it, it did life casting and we had life sculpting. Oh, cool! Which really appealed to me because mm-hmm. I kind of figured I need to learn the nuts and bolts of it. Right. And we did like welding, so for making armatures, and we had like a day release. We go to a different college to learn welding, so I learned gas welding, MIG welding, oh, cool. arc welding, and did everything properly. And uh, the teacher who did the prosthetics module was Nick Dubman. Oh, really? It was a couple of years outside of the Batman. I think I started in 92. Batman came out in 89, I think. Michael Keaton one. That's awesome. So he'd done the Jack Nicholson thing. And I hadn't, you know, this was pre-Google. And right. I didn't, and I came from a little town in Kent. I didn't know anyone that knew prosthetics. So I was there and I saw Nick Dubbin was in to teach the previous year. And I kind of waited around for him to finish. I said, can I ask you some questions? And I sat down and I'd been reading Fangoria magazine in Cool Zone. I think it just started coming right. out. And I was like, and I'd read the Lee Bagan book and I had like, what's a key? What does rocking mean? What's a cutting edge? How does this work? And he just kind of answered all these questions. And That's he was the awesome. first human being I met that could sit down and knew what I meant. Well, gosh, and explain top of everything. the heap. And I was just like, I just came away fizzing because I, I met someone that understood what I was talking about for the first time. You know, after five years of reading these comic magazines, trying to understand it. That's and it was, cool. And I was in a really good place. And that stuck with me. And ever since, I've always been like, if anyone asks a question, I'm always like, oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you asked. Yeah. You know, because I want you, it's like passing on something. It's an amazing feeling. So that was good. And then in my second to third year, I was used to, in the summer holidays, I'd, I'd, I'd clean the universities, I'd mop floors and stuff. Mm-hmm. And this year, um, we had a call from a company called Animated Extras. Mm-hmm. The year before, they'd done Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Right. That Kenneth Branagh directed. And yeah. uh, Daniel Parker designed the, the prosthetics for it. He got nominated, but it lost out to Edward, which was a pretty good thing. Yeah, uh, pretty good. Um, pretty good. But uh, it was it was a bit, you know, it was a good show. So you had um, this going on. And the next year, it was Mary Riley, which was John Malkovich and Julia Roberts. That's right. And there was this big creature sequence where he ejects himself and he turns from Jekyll into Hyde. And they made a bunch of these skins in skin flags uh, ah. and there were like these intermittent and there was a, basically a motion control rig and a camera 
that Henson's had made the rig, I think, and the, right. we'd made these skins, and they basically needed people to help run foam latex and run silicon and run skin flex. And my job for three months was to basically run foam latex and run skin flex. Oh my gosh. And it was just me and another guy who I was at college with called Justin, and it was just like you start at eight and finish like, you know, foam running three, four a.m., whatever. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, I, remember I didn't that. have a car, so everyone was by train. So it was just amazing. And it was just three years. And oh I wanted gosh. to do this. So for me, it was just like, I, I just landed at the right time. England was in recession. Mm-hmm. So uh, the dollar pound was very good. So there were a lot of productions being made. Mm-hmm. So I left college in 95. And then the next year was like Saving Private Ryan, then something else, and Gladiator. It was just boom, 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 boom. And then Hallmark made a bunch of movies over here. Oh, okay. And it was just nonstop. So I, I just graduated just the right time. And it was amazing. That's so cool. It was lucky timing, really. I like Nick very much. I only met him just a few years ago at the Emmys, and um, I'd always been a huge fan of his, and I got very overwhelmed with going over to meet him. I was. I was a little, like, sparkly and kind of like, you know, just being really stupid. (laughs) But he, when I met him, he was like, oh, of course. He's so polite. So sweet. Very English. You know, very, very very polite, especially when you put him... Somewhere in America. I'm sure he didn't know who I was, but I I didn't care. He was, he pretended like he did. And that was so lovely. And, and then I, I was friends with Adrian Rigby and he's like, well, you didn't meet, did you meet Sarita? I guess Sarita had left for a minute when we went over to his table. And then Sarita and I became friends through Adrian. And so we're, we're, we're pals. We love Sarita. Love Sarita. And, um, but I became, I had been a huge fan of Nick's and, and obviously Sarita's from, from Penny Dreadful, just the incredible makeups that they've done. But of course, Nick from way before, you know, mm-hmm. all the stuff he's done. So I've always been a fan of of, of English um, makeup artists and creatures and makeups and things that they've done. So It's quite amazing when you meet people like Nick. I mean, even though I've worked for him, because I've worked on both Mummy, the Brendan Fraser Mummy movies back in the day, and yeah. a couple of Harry Potters, I still feel very intimidated when I make, meet Nick because of what it meant to me the first time I met him. Right. It kind of set this kind of like, and, and also Daniel Parker as well, who did Frankenstein. I mean, again, he was somebody else that I met early on. Uh, and I was talking to this, to someone about today. I was, they let me animated extras because the work there over the summer, they let me do some makeups for myself for the college course I was doing. They let me use the workshop, which was amazing. Oh my gosh. And Ian McKellen had come in for his makeup test for Richard III. And I was an idiot. I didn't know who he was. <laughs> and he was chatting to me for about 20 minutes about this because he was into theater, obviously. Mm. And, uh, yeah, he was, I had no idea who he was. Oh my gosh. And then I see he's sitting down and and then, you know, um, Daniel starts putting on this lip and everything. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, he's an actor. (laughs) I didn't really get who he was. I was such an idiot, but it was probably quite nice for him to talk to someone that treated him like a human being rather than, and he hadn't been Magneto or Gandalf at that point. Right, exactly. It was fine. um, I know it's true. Oh. But yeah, it's very nice. And it's interesting, I think, when you see movies, are you right for time, by the way? It is no, half past good. ten. Oh no, we're if fine. If you want me to piss off, just say. No, 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 we're good. Up. We're good. We have like we have like a little. Yeah, oh, jeez. <laughs> Sorry, off. you have to excuse my. <laughs> um, no, throws the chips at me as I leave. Get nodded. Um. No, um, uh, we don't. Our flight tomorrow is like at eleven a.m. I was late. We're used to like some seven a.m. flights. We went to um. We went down to Orlando this year because um, we got to be part of the um, Halloween Horror Nights the last two years in uh, 
uh, Universal in in Universal City and in Orlando. And Orlando was doing three seasons of American Horror Story at their maze. So we flew down like on a Friday night and then we, we did American Horror Story maze until 1.30 in the morning, got back on a plane at like 6 a.m. Which is, is the best. And not because it's just about American Horror Story, but you kind of like get to revisit like things that you did in the past. And you're not really scared because you know what they are, but you just point and go, it's Larry, the mm-hmm. Larry guy, or it's Infantata. You're, you're just stoked that somebody actually took the time to Yeah, do a great job. Mean, so we went down as fans to see so see the maze. But we've been doing a bunch of those kind of flights where you like, where you, you're really late, you know, you, you're staying up super late and then you just have like a couple hours of sleep and get on a plane. Mm-hmm. But this time it's not like that. No, so, you've got the right flights. If it's from the, did you come from the States? Did you say you came from Portugal? Um, well, I flew well, in Portugal from uh, South Beach, Miami. Okay. So it was, oh, it was, it was via that, was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. And I flew through Dublin. Because I know when I come from, go to Dallas, like we fly over in the day, probably about 10, 11. Mm-hmm. So by the time we land about 4 p.m., yeah, I only have to stay awake four or five hours. Yeah, exactly. And I'm on yeah. I'm on point. Yep. Coming back is hideous because it's the night flight, so my kids don't normally sleep. So I end up basically being awake for 24 so hours, and then children. I've got a day ahead of me, and it's just like... You usually are limping through, like you try and stay up to go to bed, mm-hmm. but you're so tired. Yeah, so you land like and it's eight o'clock in the morning. You're like, must make it through the day. Yeah, hideous. Mm-hmm. So going west is is actually quite a joy. I've never had any trouble going back to the states. So. Mm-hmm. When you said night flight, I was like, night flight. That was yeah. a show. Was a, that was, was a show, a show in, in, in the states. In the that, states was, that was like it was like pre MTV. Mm-hmm. It was like um, it was like concerts. And they played it like midnight. Oh, wow. Night flight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You have to look so that up on YouTube now. Like... Yeah. It was crazy. Well, that was back when, like, Dr. Demento, too, had his show. And I was just getting into music. And I had no idea that, you know, you could play a Weird Al Yankovic song that was making fun of a, a previous song. But then, like, Judas Priest would come on and, and do Breaking the Law. And I still thought it was, like, a joke song. I didn't know it was like actually super serious. Unless Judas Priest doing a polka. Yeah, exactly. Which later on I took Judas Priest very seriously. But at the time I was like, yeah, breaking the law. This is really ridiculous. But anyway, that was the side. You're drinking my drink. Do we need to order more alcohol? Should we? Do you want another one? I'm not driving. Are you going to have, can you limp to the train station though? Can I limp to the train station? Will you be able to? Yeah, yeah. Is it far? Waterloo is far from here? Good Street is like, Five minute walk just around the corner. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And the very worst, they just get an Uber. Yeah, that's true. We've been taking the black cabs everywhere. Yeah, if you have Uber, I mean, get it where you can because they, they may revoke the license because they've changed some kind of licensing thing. There was some kind of ruling because of, because whether the drivers are technically employees or if they're right. self employed, so that the, the legislation has changed. Uh, and on the basis of that, they're going to kind of mess it up, which is a shame. People still like an app where they can see the, the cab. Yeah. And also, the thing I like is I'm a good passenger. I tip. I'm pleasant. Mm-hmm. And I get rated for that. Yeah. And oh, if yeah. I do a black cab, there's no, you know, there's no yeah. there's like, no accumulation of, of goodwill. Whereas there is on Uber. Yeah. Like, I get to rate the cabbie. They get to rate yeah. me. Wait, and I have no problem with that. Passenger. Yeah, I'm a good passenger. I always tip. <laughs> so, you know, I'll be with someone who's like, oh, there's no Ubers. I'm like, oh, there's fucking hundreds of them. I mean, how about you? <laughs> but, there, but that seems to be like a thing... Um, because of it seems like because of the classic black cab, there seemed to be an issue when we were here a couple of years ago. There was an issue with 
taking away business mm. from black cabs, right? There is, but it's almost like they've got like a kind of mafia kind of hold. Oh. I remember being at Heathrow Airport. We'd done something on Game of Thrones and we got back late on a Sunday night. So I wasn't even paying for it. And there was a cab rank outside. It's just Heathrow Airport. Mm -hmm. And there was a cab rank. So there's a bunch of black cabs. And I went to the first black cab. So you go to the one in the front. And I said, I need to go to where I live, which was probably 25 minutes drive. And the guy wouldn't take me. I'm like, but you've got to accept that people are going to live beyond the boundaries of the airfield I mean most people don't live within the airfield they need to go beyond you're, you're presumably here to convey me to a, to a destination right I think up to and including an hour is reasonable for a black cab um, but he wouldn't take me and, and I, so I went to the bomb behind him and the woman that was kind of running the cab came out with a clipboard and said oh no he'll take you and then he looked through his thing and he had to look through his book to find out how much it was to bill me and it was 150 quid and I'm like well I'm not paying for it so yeah that's fine so you were going to turn down a 150 pound fare and you wonder why someone like Uber, who I could, I could, you know, pick up my luggage and by the time I get to the exit, the cab is waiting for me. Right. And I've seen where he is. I know how much it's going to cost. And, he and it's who less I am. too. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, maybe you need to change how they work the mm -hmm. relationship between you and the drivers and maybe you need to vet them a bit better or whatever, but. I had to tell cabbies to slow down because I'm like, hey, I want to make it home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not your car. You're driving like a maniac. And, uh, but it is with Uber drivers. It is their yeah, car. It is their own car. So yeah, they tend to be all right. So I personally, I mean, I know people have had bad experiences with Uber, but I've had bad experiences with cabbies. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not this is any relevant to the podcast, but... So I understand where they're making up. And there was a thing where they, all the black cab drivers drove like they did like a five mile an hour like drive around London to kind of protest. But of course, people still need to get to meetings. And that day was like the biggest spike in, own, in joining Uber because people were like, well, I need, a, I, need, I need to get to my meeting. So if the black cab isn't going to do it because he's taking part in this industrial action, I'm going to take, you know, range it in the, in the fourth fiesta. Well, they're really get me like a, a stranglehold on, on transportation. So mm -hmm. you got to get with the times if you can get on your phone and go, boop, mm -hmm. I know exactly it's going to be here in two minutes as opposed yeah. to, you know, standing on a corner trying to wave down a taxi and not remembering if it's the light is on means they're going to pick you up or if it's off. I don't remember. Like, yeah. You know, when you're in New York, it's a pain in the ass to get a cab. Yeah. And I've had cabs where they wouldn't stop for me because I'm hailing a cab. His light's on, so he's free. But because I'm, you know, a bald man and it's three in the morning, he won't stop for me. That's happened many times. Why won't that be? Why? Because I'm, I, I look like I fit the profile of someone that probably hit him over the head to steal his takings, I guess. Like I mean, I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, whereas if you've got an accumulation of, oh, this is what he looks like and he's got a good rating and he always tips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're, you're part of a system where you're rated as a passenger. Suddenly, right. that's a great thing. Well, you know, it's like bizarre. A... So oh, They thought you were Sorry. sketchy, Stuart. Well, I guess, I guess. <laughs> you know, it's like we have go, don't, go, go, don't go past this, this street in this part of town because that's where the, the bad... You know, there's a, there's a bad, bad element yeah. over there. It's like, wait a minute, those are, that's, I'm, that's where I like to hang out because those are my friends. Oh, yeah. we're the bad element. You're the one. You know, it's, like a, <laughs> it's like, you know, I am legend. Like, it's like, I'm the bad yeah. guy. Oh, you my have, God. You know, another <laughs> spiky jacket. And you're like, oh, oh, you're talking about my, oh, I get it. Okay, no, it's cool. <laughs> no, we're safe on that side. Yeah, he has tassels and you go. <laughs> <laughs> and his jacket, whatever. Yeah, tassels and short shorts. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> He is fine with the sisters, don't worry. It's really good. Okay. Stop drinking my drink. Your drink is coming. All right.
Is that the sign? You don't even you don't like, like cider. Hey, what are you say? So thinking about things like, you know, when I was started out, it was all about movies, movies, movies. But TV has changed. I mean, I think right. Sopranos changed everything. Where I think so, TV too. TV was like this thing that was mm-hmm. taken more seriously. Because there was a time with TV, particularly in the States, because you have a lot of channels. And I think a lot of it was... We were very jealous, and then we, we kind of had cable now, obviously, but there was a time where we had like three or four channels. And then it would take a long time hundreds. for a while for you guys to get, yes, like the, the next would year, it would take like yeah. a, another year, but it's, it's all caught up now, like yeah. everything's... But I grew up watching things like, you know, MASH was great and everything, it was mm-hmm. like, kind of like Monty Python was for you, it's just like, oh, yeah. there's stuff, and it's like, yeah, but we're not watching like The Office and, you know, other things now, it's just like, Monty Python's good, but it's like old, whereas there was a time, and it was the same with MASH, it's like, you know, kind of. Oh, yeah. Kind of Whereas now, it's just like it's a lot more very similar to Netflix and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Although there are shows that are like... I remember on Creature Geek, um, Frank was saying that there was a the Star Trek series is on like... CDS. Yeah, you have to get a different service for mm-hmm. it. But it's... Is it on Netflix in the UK or something? Which is weird that they didn't strike that deal in the States. Or there was some show. Well, there's that something... You have to get Hulu. You get it on Hulu or something. Yeah, there's something about Netflix so that it's connected with... Um... With Star Trek Discovery, isn't it? There's something that's kind of. Yeah, I think originally, it. like, if it didn't pan out too well on CBS Limited Access or whatever they call it, that Netflix was going to just take it. Right. And, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't quite understand what's going on there, but it's it's a whole new age, really, of like, you can make those deals, you know? Yeah. So if it doesn't succeed on this, Netflix will take it and run with it, or, or if something gets canceled on something that. You know, if there's enough fans and they make enough noise that another studio can pick it up, it's pretty weird. Yeah, it kind of gains a momentum. But it's interesting that TV is a thing, I think, partly because of high def, partly because of yeah. big screens, partly because of Well, it used whatever. to be the curse. Like, if you, yeah. if, you were a, if you were a big star and you did a TV show, it was like, oh, he's he's in the twilight of his career. And it's like, that's not the case anymore. It's like, it could be a springboard or mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. Know, just, you know... Or just a standalone or even thing. Yeah, that, yeah exactly. That's, um, that's a Ryan Murphy started doing that um, anthology thing where it was like each year was a different, a different, um, you know, theme and a different plan and keeping kind of the same actors. But um, that really kind of appealed to the the generation of people that didn't want to be bored mm-hmm. year after year by the same. Well, yeah, you know, it's not going to reach a climax by the end of the end, the end of the series. You're like, nobody's going to die. They're going to leave you with a cliffhanger. It's like, how many years can I watch this? Yeah, every show? year it's, it's you, nuts. every year it's, you know, every season you know that everybody's probably going to yeah. bite it by the end. But the actor is still in what? Right. Because they'll be back in exactly. the Victorian time. We have yeah. a kind of a joke on our show that if, if you lived, you were doomed. But if you died, you were guaranteed to come back more <laughs> next season or, you know, at least the, the last few episodes of the show. But if you lived, you're done. And then, but also like, um, Sherlock is a very interesting concept too, because there's like four episodes. I, I'm obsessed with Sherlock, but it's like each one is a movie. Yeah. It's and there's like four episodes. Thing. And we do have in England, it, it tends to be sort of six at most is a season. Um, whereas you have like sort of 16. I mean, I'm watching yeah, usually about, at the moment. It's, yeah. You know, a lot more kind of like Usually between like 10 and 16. But yeah, Sherlock's very involved. Yeah, you got twenty two. You got thirteen. Twenty two episodes, and then get the back nine. That was like a big deal to get the back nine pickup. Because I did Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and that was how it was the first year. And then after that, you would just get the full season pickup, which was huge, huge, huge. 
to get the whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, and nowadays they kind of just, you know, now they kind of, with Ryan stuff, like they'll do the pilot, but you already know that the rest of the season is going to get picked up, but it's only 10 episodes. So it's not quite as much of a threat to, financial threat to, um, you know, especially if that's going to be the run of it. Mm-hmm. But they also can't amortize any of the sets, which is a big deal. And you kind of, so they've, like Fox has been like kind of reusing sets. And so that's been for different shows, which actually works out good too. Mm-hmm. But that's a bit, that's a big deal because you would only make money after like the third season or something on most shows that it would just continue. So you wouldn't, there wouldn't be as much money being put out initially. Mm-hmm. But, but also I like it was that. like you had to make it to a hundred episodes in a TV series to get, right, to get syndication. To get syndication. And now it's like syndication. Is that even a thing anymore? It's like, cause there's on demand. I think they still like you to get a hundred episodes. Really? But they don't go to they don't they aren't sold like they used to be. So yeah, well, it's also not on a on a network that mm-hmm. you know, at this time slot we're going to be replaying these shows because. But so just... many people, you know, are doing that. Um, are are starring in TV shows? Maybe it's like they're off season or they haven't done a film, you know, until the next year that, that they have a, a break where they can do a whole season. It's it's much more um, attractive to. Uh, actors to be able to come in and just do this one chunk of of television. I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd have to sign a three to five year contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I wonder <clears throat> what's going to happen when I want to do different things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because like on, on Game of Thrones and stuff, normally if I'm doing somebody's makeup, it's because they're going to die. So it's just like, do they know if we're live casting their head? But yeah, they're not in the next. <laughs> <laughs> did they discuss that exactly but, uh, but we, you know, like you say with American Horror Story it's like you want to get killed because yeah. they'll be back again you should be a ghost yeah what's Which that one thing you was, was there something about getting a cake like, oh no that was about that was a, a rumor about getting employed that you would if you if you were going to be uh, if you were fired that you would have a cake at your station oh yeah you just that was it you just come in and you have a cake at your station. No, no words. Just you knew to clear your station out. You have to eat a cake. Yeah, I don't know. Probably. <laughs> yeah, <I'm on. laughs> yep. But, I know. Yeah. But it's interesting. I think TV kind of changes things because stories can play out over a much longer period. Yeah. So they can be much more intimate, and involved. And you have these like little side characters and like watching Walking Dead. You know, there's so many characters, so many things. And so then, many. Yeah. You know, you'll have like you know just a Morgan heavy episode and it all, and then it might be a flashback season or whatever. And you, you find that with with shows that, you know, you get these kind of like little independent story things. Which oh is yeah, quite there's some. Nice um, the... Yeah, there. Even with for actor availability, like maybe somebody has to go off and do something that's already been, you know. Uh, they've already committed to something else during the time. So then they'll make, you know, they'll make it the story about somebody else for that, for that run. And, uh, the problem is, is that for us, we always end up doing, uh, shooting like three or four episodes at a time. So you never know how it's going to overlap, but, um, usually there is like some theme to each episode. So you, mm-hmm. you, uh, somebody can get a break or somebody can have more days off. It's nice. Isn't it? I think you get so much, you can do so much with TV because you've got these characters and they, they play out over so long a season. You get these kind of movie quality kind of outcomes, you know, for the character. And it goes on more than a two hour movie to, you can really extend these stories. I remember seeing it with like, um, so I worked on Saving Private Ryan. I tried to get on Band of Brothers, but they didn't. Oh yeah. But then when I watched the show, 
it was such a good show I didn't care mm-hmm. you know it was just a nice thing to watch and I was kind of glad I didn't have anything to do with it but you know you really got into things in a way that you couldn't do in an hour and a half or two hours and, and it kind of changes so things you can show them. And, and also the kind of you know the, the ratings has changed yeah. and what you're allowed to show now is so much more oh yeah they had so, that first time um, um, can you curse on this yeah absolutely so it's a great I didn't know I, I kind of wasn't quite sure um, but they I remember on FX which I've worked for that company for many years since like 2003 and when we were doing The People versus OJ uh, Sarah Paulson's character she played Marsha Clark she is mad about this headline and she says that motherfucker and it was like what like that we couldn't believe that they were yeah. that they were saying that that was the first time that affects i think I'm, I'm not positive but i'm pretty sure that's the first time that they said something so unbelievably uh you know forward well like you that. can say the f word but it, it couldn't have to do with it, it, it couldn't be sexual or something there was like something like that but, but we didn't we still didn't say it uh, on american horror story yeah. we didn't say this year, any of that stuff but then, like, then all bets were off. Like, yeah. after that hotel on American Horror Story Hotel was right at that same year, yeah. Roanoke, and this year. Like, it's just all the time. They say it on Feud. They say it on everything. When movies used to play on television, and you knew there was a scene where there was going to be some cussing. You're like, what's he yeah. going to say? It's like, yeah. listen here, you mother flipper. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. not work at all. The classic Robocop, <laughs> where they go, for why me? For why me? Like, why would he <laughs> oh, say that? Oh, that's so funny. Like, you knew what it was going to be, but the, the replacement words were so, yeah. so off. Yeah. Like, what could we seriously say that would be... L- about right <laughs> i know it's so funny well, we were really i mean it was so surprising even even that was even that was like three years ago yeah but it was so surprising to hear Things that changed. so it just it just and then after that there was like a certain amount that you can say yeah at a 10 o'clock time slot um in los angeles or in america and you can say this many f word you know so uh, or i think there's a there's a couple that you can't say, but you're 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 still allowed to say almost everything now. Mm-hmm. It's really wild, especially because back then, I mean, you, you could say "damn it" or something. You couldn't even say "shit." That was a big deal. Now it's all bets are off. So oh, it's a, it makes it into a very interesting time with tel- television. Of just really, there's hardly any. Um, like you could almost say everything that George Carlin said you couldn't say. Yeah, almost. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty heavy guy I know he had quite a repertoire but... yeah, you still can't get super naked that's still I don't know if that's the thing over here but it's still yeah, people there's... still have issues with the naked yeah, and, yeah. And, and... it can be totally violent like yeah, the violence are no violence, problem God forbid we show a nipple yeah yeah it's a weird one isn't it yeah it, it's, it's very strange tricky. And with TV, I mean, with the with the ghost stuff, I mean, I wondered if there was like when there were gags and things that happened. Do you ever do? I mean, perhaps some shows may have to edit things for different regions or something, but you never have to like redo gags. Like, we're going to do something horrible. Let's do another version of that that's not quite so horrible. They just, I, I think, or they have a B camera. I and think we use uh, that guy. Yeah, that, that sometimes. I mean, sometimes that nowadays. I think Ryan is probably adding more blood to things, like with a little bit of, you know, some visual effects. He's doing some blood work. But there's, um, I remember on Nip Tuck, like the first season, 
there was a director that kept wanting more and more blood and we would put more blood on until, and then, and then Ryan came to me and said like, you need to be able to, you need to say that's too much blood. Like we can't, we can't have that much blood on stuff. Like we have a certain quota of how much blood we can use. And and the blood isn't a character like in something like Kill Bill where it's like right. the blood is, you know, a thing. Right. Exactly. It's not supposed to be a detracting mm-hmm. kind of thing, is it? Right. So, so he had, we had to reshoot that and that scene. And then from then on, Ryan, that's kind of the beginning of like Ryan saying like you, you can, you, you're in charge of that. You, you get to say whether there's too much blood or not. So, um, it, but then in the past couple of years, he's been like, I want tons of blood. So we've just kind of gone off the rails with it, which has been fun <clears throat> doing all our, all the gags. Most of them are practical. Almost everything is, mm-hmm. which is nice. So a lot of people realize they think there's a lot of, but it's also interesting is I've worked a lot with like, um, we're doing gags and there's a digital element to it Mm -hmm. because they're they're on set anyway. Right. And it's like, there's never a point where they're like, yeah, you can be sloppy and do shitty work. We'll clean that up. They always want to be like, I mean, the thing about digital effects, I think is that especially in something like Game of Thrones, for example, where they, you know, they're going to change the scene or they got these sweeping vistas and they'll put rocks in places where you wouldn't think they need them or whatever. (laughs) And it's just like, they're going to be in every shot anyway. Right. They're not looking for more work. So if they don't have to clean up right. your edge, mm-hmm. that's a good thing. So it's not like the existence of digital replaces good makeup work. Do you right. know what I mean? That's oh, yeah. Still... Well, that's what the guys at Fuse Effects always say. That's I always We always need a makeup. We need a makeup or we need the practical part to be able to do the visual effects. To have to do it in a visual effect is just thousands upon thousands of dollars and the way that we've gotten on on american horror story is that our budgets have become as i think it has happens with a lot of people they've become smaller over the years because they want to make as much money as possible and continue the series so they want to be able to extend the next couple years and so you know by taking out i had we had one ad that was like oh we'll just take that blood off that polo shirt while in we were, post, yeah, while we were priming a neck gag, a little little drip came off under the under the shirt, and instead of taking the five minutes to change the shirt, they're like, "Oh, we'll fix it in post." Well, that's twenty five. Our yeah, our visual effects guy popped in and said, "It's twenty five thousand dollars. Like that's a forty dollars shirt. Yeah. Change his shirt." And the first lady was like, "Oh," because he didn't want to wait. Like mm-hmm. for, mm-hmm. I mean, it was you know a minute or something to like whip a shirt off and put another one on, mm-hmm. and so. We have that a lot with visual effects guys saying like we don't we should do this this way or we should do this this way because we, we we need to keep our budget. Yeah. So uh, we we only have a certain amount of money to do all this other stuff. So um, we try to do as much as possible to help them out because they're great guys and they do beautiful work. So and usually it's you know adding in um, blood here and there if Ryan wants something more like splash on somebody or you can't get it on a car or in a set. So they do they do it digitally, or do you ever have like a second unit like shoot elements for things? Or? Sometimes we do that. Sometimes we shoot um, we shoot blood splatters for them, or or you know, blood doing different things, you know, spraying or mm-hmm. whatever. Because compositing is in. relatively straightforward. It's yeah. the animating something. There's yeah. something about fluid dynamics. Which yeah. do you a know lot. what? Let just spend a morning, and we'll just do a you know just get a bunch mm-hmm. of different green screens, and we'll just yeah we've done that. Do you know before. what I mean? It's so like much easier. Stuff dripping, you know, out of tubes, yeah. and we'll have a them. dummy we spray on. You can track how it drips. Mm-hmm. Or, we do that. We've done sense. that in the past. I'm sure they 
kept all those as like a library. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some things that they do. Like the twist he had is a prime example of, I think they ended up, did Jason ended up winning the, uh, yeah, the Emmy for that, that as uh, visual effects as a, as a character. And um, it was the twisty mouse where it was all completely animated, where they took the, it was a gunshot wound that he had to his mouth, was lower jaw was completely missing and his tongue was still intact. And um, it was done off of a sculpture that Dave Anderson's AFX did. And they shot that in every different angle. And then they animated it with John Carroll Lynch's performance that we did with motion capture dots and one with the green screen, mm-hmm. et cetera. And so they... They did that, and it was fantastic. I mean, just so beautifully but done. It was, also, it was seamless. It was also Bet and Dot, the uh, Siamese twins. Oh, yeah, that was also that in that was, same that episode. That was a major part of the reason they won also. But there was also a uh, animatronic head that was done by Justin Rowley and, and uh, Fractured. Yeah, Fractured, Fractured Effects. effects. Uh, so, yeah. It was fantastic. A lot of practical stuff, you know, with, with the digital cherry on top. Mm-hmm. This last past year, I would come up with shots jokingly, and uh, I would say, wouldn't it be great if you, like, this this happened or something, and the uh, visual effects guys would, like, say, Mike, just shut up. Like, <laughs> we have enough to do. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm trying to put money in your pockets, but... But that's like, if, but when know, it comes down to just... Too much money. But the, No, but a lot of that is that those guys are working up They're until working the very time. last second. I mean, they don't have the time. Yeah, because it's post... It's monstrous, and they and they're constantly just like, "Oh, we'll do it in post. We'll do it in post." And before you know it, these guys have just a huge list. Because the of date stuff to it do. gets released is not yeah. moving. Presumably. It's a grocery list, and they have so much time. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't have so much time. Uh, they only have so much time, right? They don't. Yeah, they hardly have any time. They have some. Time. I mean, sometimes Jason would be doing stuff, like he said, like you know, two days before. It's supposed to be released. That's quite unreal, isn't it? It really is. I mean, Jason Petrone is amazing. Is <laughs> company is fantastic it does does really beautiful work i just check every once in a while just to make sure it is still recording because i can't think of anything worse than <gasps> i've done time lapses where i thought i was getting the best time lapse ever you are, and yeah. when i look at the stop it actually starts i'm like are you kidding me i missed everything Ugh, horrible <laughs> yeah but luckily we get a, a redo at least once we need to do a makeup at least twice sometimes mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't get that so luxury. It was basically test makeup plays mm-hmm. for a lot of those uh, Evan Peters cult leader makeups. Just damn stressful. But sometimes they're just sometimes like it's the funnest thing about doing makeup. It's gonna work. Yeah, on the first time. But is that kind of the kind of schedule they have on Game of Thrones? I mean, where they're just. You're just all over the country and all over the. Well, yeah, because sometimes you'd have like two or three different units going on in different countries because you'd be filming some stuff in Croatia, you'd be filming some stuff in Belfast, and you know you'd have like maybe two different countries going on with these different things. It was it was crazy, very crazy. But that's you know the joy of someone like Barry Gow organizing and him and Sarah. You know, it's you need people like that. It's just a completely different. uh, We've done that though. One, one, one shot's going on in Glendale, and one shot's going on in... Oh, yeah. It's exactly the same thing <laughs> as Croatia and Belfast. <laughs> <laughs> one's in Glendale, one's in Burbank. Well, no, you know, there are two different same. locations. There's still somebody somewhere has to consolidate everything. And, no, it's got to be like know. shooting three different huge movies. Like yeah, you've got these massive things. And like in Croatia, it was up the mountains, so you got to yeah. get stuff to... That's you crazy. You've got to get the crew to where they need to be. And, like the sets they built, that, that frozen 
lake set. Oh my god! Oh my god, that was insane. Yeah, and that was all. I mean, in the quarry. I mean, all the Castle Black stuff. You know, uh, I mean, the last episode I did was that thing with the white. The the the. Basically, they all they all become zombies. You know, it was a big snowstorm, and I think it was the hard home episode. Oh yeah, that was you know, yeah hard home. Yep. You know, it was a massive like three week shoot. And, yeah, we're all obsessed. Know, waking up at one a.m. to stick pieces on, and then you know we finished about seven p.m. You know, same again every day for I like three weeks. It was, it was good, but it was yeah, it was just you know paper snow and people wearing. And that was everybody and, being and didn't everybody get a cold or something too? Oh, there was hideous. like everyone was sick and. I think well, it was Adrian good. I mean, I think it was that. very sweet. I mean, Barry gave everyone on the crew. They, they, they Barry and Sarah, they gave this. They, we had like this, you know, Barocca, which is like the vitamin oh, yeah, C yeah, yeah. tablet, and it's like you know, get like high energy snacks and this little survival pack, which did help actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> everyone was just suffering. It's like those. freezing cold. But, yeah, and... it was cold and wet. That was the thing. I had a friend who hadn't seen any Game of Thrones episodes. I'm like, well, you have to see this. Let's put on Battle of the Bastards. That's like kind of a spoiler. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The yeah. Best <laughs> scene of the whole series. I'm like, well, you don't need to watch the beginning. I just want to see, oh you know, it's it's the best violence scene ever. But yeah, all those fun, were so it? incredible. We, we were all, you know, we all just have Game of Thrones parties and get together. And and sometimes, though, Mike and I are just like, no, we can't go to the party. We want to watch it by ourselves. Like, be able to turn it up, turn the lights off, and watch. Just immerse yourself in yep, it. Yeah, you don't want it to be I don't want to miss anything. Yeah. So there's a lot of what did he say? Hold on. Roll, rewind, rewind it, rewind it, because <laughs> yeah. it's a lot of dramatic you talking, and you're like, I, I didn't hear it, I didn't hear it well enough. I just want to finish up with um, a little about the whole Lost Boys makeup, yeah, the recreation of the Lost Boys makeup. Because yes. when I came to IMATS, there was a bunch of stuff about that because they had a panel talk, but they had some of the original molds, yeah, and then. You organized this whole thing. I did. You kind of kick-started this whole thing oh, where let's so much recreate fun. the Lost Boys makeups. And it from was, the original molds, is that correct? Yes. All I had them? three of the four of the boys. Um, one of the molds, Greg swears, is like in his garage or in his storage or something, but he, we never could find it. So those three molds were sold in Greg's auction. And I ended up, um, I ended up getting one of them, and uh, Chris Dombos got the other two and so we ended up uh kind of partnering up on uh he lent me the other two moles and i had um let's see um roland um roland ran the kiefer mold and um mark vanilla ran the um the other two the Dwayne and the um the uh paul mold which was brooke and uh and, and so marco uh, was the only one you marco came. was the only one we were missing so we ran that? one of them twice oh okay and then because they were similar enough that we were able to do that, and it, be, it 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 came out of that Greg and I became friends um, because he, I'd known him for years, but I was you know always just like oh Greg Canham, and we became friends because he really liked some of the makeups on American Horror Story, and we had done stuff at the PPI booth around the same time, and so uh, he'd never done a demo, but he always really liked the pepper makeup that we did. So we would end up chatting, becoming friends, and I ended up just gushing about how what a huge Lost Boys fan I was, and he always thought it was funny. And so, at one point, he said, "I'm going to vamp." Vamp was good too. I did like oh, vamp. vamp, and Vamp's you see some great. elements Makeups. of that in the Lost oh, yeah. Boys. <laughs> it's about the same time. I think Vamp was first. And so he, um, at one point, he said, uh, "We became friends," and he said, "I'm going to start clearing out my shop to, for the auction." Come over tomorrow. I mean, I left work. I was like, oh, I'm going. 
So I went over there and he said, I just wanted to show you all the Lost Boys stuff. So he showed me everything and I got to see all the Lost Boys stuff, all the clothes, everything. And he ended up having, letting me pick pick some stuff to, buy, to buy from him. Like the costumes. He had, he had some, them. Mm-hmm, some of the costumes from like the stunt the stunt stuff and he had that left over and so he ended up letting me buy a couple of things and i ended up seeing like you know the bram stoker's dracula molds and like everything and i was like crying and he thought it was hilarious i was just like "Ah, so amazing and he's like god i'm not giving it to you i was like i know it's just overwhelming he thought it was hilarious so greg was very tickled with me with my dorkiness and so um i ended up with a few pieces and I took his prosthetics class, and in and as a surprise, I ran. I had the kefir mold run, and brought it into him to see it because he was teaching our prosthetics class, and the, and I went in and showed it to him, and he was like, "What?" And it, like in front of the whole class, like, "When are you going to do the demo?" And I was like, "Well, I was thinking that maybe that you should do the demo." And he was like, "Ah oh, ha ha ha!" Right. So that was when I knew that was like in the spring of last year. That's when I knew that I need to. If I was going to do it. I needed to get V's approval, Greg's approval, Steve Laporte's approval, and have them be the ones to do the application since they did it for the movie. And it started off on this big thing. All of a sudden, it was like, if I'm going to do this, I have to do this. I want to do this 100%. So I approached Christina Patterson about um, recreating the contact lenses. I contacted uh, Christina Barona, who is Kristen, Kristen Barona's our our extras casting, uh, casting director. And I showed her the pictures of people that I wanted to cast. And she sent me like 50 people that were interested in being the lost boys. So I cast it. Um, and then I had their teeth cast. Um, and Chris almost made teeth for me. Uh, Christina Patterson made the lenses. My girlfriend, uh, my partner at, on American Horror Story, Michelle Siglia, who's the department head of hair, um, I ended up buying all the wigs and she styled all of them, like on her off time. And then she applied all of them for me. And then um, I made all the costumes and I had the Dwayne costume, the full Dwayne costume and the, the, um, Billy, um, the Billy costume. And then I had the jacket of Brooke McCarter's jacket, but I made the rest of them. And the one that were like almost killed me was, um, it was like 55 hours of work was the Marco jacket. And I had, it's like a, it's a, like a bullfightery thing. It's bullfighters and and there's like, there's fishing lures and there's a million patches and I ended up making patches and having patches made. And, um, did you just have to get like frame grabs from the movie or did you have some, there was three, there was two, I had stills. Um, I had stills from, uh, you know, V, I ended up contacting V and she gave me her personal books, and, which ended up being in the Lost Boys book that Paul Davis did. So it kind of like facilitated Paul getting some pictures that he wanted. And so, um, and then there were two cosplayers that had done a really great job on the, on the jackets. So I was able to kind of, they hadn't aged their jackets, but I was able to kind of see more clearly like what things looked like. Um, you were like searching on eBay for tapestries. I got like three tapestries. I found one that was the exact opposite of what I needed, but I kind of like made it work. And okay. I mean, it was, it was endless. That jacket was endless. And then I ended up aging it and everything. But, and then I made, I made each of their outfits, you know, and then these guys came in and, um, you know, we, they, I fit them in all their clothing. It was a massive thing. I ended up taking like, I think a month off of work. 
maybe it was like three weeks. I can't remember, but it was a lot. It was in between jobs and I was like, this is going to work out great. And I got Greg and V and Steve Laporte. And I had, I asked Bill Corso to do the fourth one because I wanted to be able to be there and like make sure that everything was going well. You couldn't get and, you too close to it. Yeah. yeah so. I just was like, cause they were like, why aren't you doing the fourth one? I'm like, cause I have to make sure that all of this happens. That's all I'll do. Yeah. Yeah. So he ended up doing, um, the, um, they were all Oscar winners. They were all Oscar winners. That was the other thing I wanted them to all be Oscar winners. So you had Greg apply. Mm -hmm. Greg applied. It was his first time doing a demo. Um, I think it's online too, if you want to look it up, but it's, um, and V and they had, and then Bill was, Bill and I are the same age. So we were both just huge, massive fans. So he was just excited to be there as like a, to get to recreate it. But he was having all those guys tell him how to do how to make sure that it looked the same. And uh, Michelle and then uh, Adrian Rigby and Carly Herbert and I all did all did the nails and got them all dialed in. I think it took us like four hours to get them all dialed in, but um, maybe it was like three hours. But they all had so much fun and they, they were so excited to do, is that they said it was like one of their very favorite projects that they had ever all worked on. Mm -hmm. And so all at the same time, all four of them were getting their makeups in at the same time. There was this huge crowd and everybody just had such a wonderful time doing it. And we used the exact kind of makeups, the exact, V still had the makeup. Yeah. V still had all the colors. So I, I, she gave me some of the colors and I supplemented with some of the, some new colors. I had everything that they, she still had it all written down, everything they did. So it was she all done that, that way. The nails were shaped like razor blades. Mm -hmm. They're like exacto blades. So they were all cut like this because at one point in the movie they were doing like throat cuts with their fingernails, right, and then right. they, that was cut out. And um, and then we did we had all the original molds with the foam pieces and you know some of the original clothing and Michelle did a beautiful job on the wigs. So it was like this real this thing that I wanted I'd wanted to do that I wanted to do it um, and make it look as real as possible. And I had some of the guys that worked in the shop that were there at Monster Palooza and they said it was just like it was just like having a complete flashback of being on it set. It really was. When I saw I saw pictures of it and it was just like There was like a few things that weren't quite but it wasn't it wasn't to the point of like distraction. It was more no. of me. Mm -hmm. um, I was so immersed in it you could spot these things. Yeah. It was like a little it was bit pretty but close. they <laughs> were very happy. they were so excited. They had so much fun. That was the best part. It was like kind of unknown to me that that was gonna happen. Mm -hmm. But they had so much fun doing it that they were, they, they just loved it. So that was, that made me so happy. And, you know, Lost Boys was a big deal to me. Um, I was like 19 when it came out. I knew all the guys at the shop. They invited me to go to the premiere with them and I got to see the movie and it was so impressionable at that age, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it was such a cool movie and the, the music and everything was just, still is. you know, and everybody right looked like that. Like all the guys in the shops looked like that. Yeah. Some guys had that crazy kefir mullet too, which was so weird. But I really was um, really happy with um, with the way it turned out. Everybody seemed really happy with it. And getting to see all of these pictures and stuff, like she had all like photo albums with like that clear the vellum page that like peels off, you know, oh with gosh. all the pictures. It was like three books of those, and I was oh just God. like so nervous about keeping them. Did keeping any of those make safe. it into the pool's book? Oh yeah, a lot of those pictures. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, there's tons of pictures That's in there why from V. Oh, well, I have to try and track down that book. I mean, it's all um, V's Polaroids. It's all, uh, you know, Greg's pictures. Um, there's tons of behind the scenes photos. Tons, so cool. Yeah, that I mean, that was one. Uh, Paul had said 
that he really needed all those pictures to make it complete. So I was glad that it all worked out worked out well. They scanned. I mean, how many pictures did Paul scan? He came and stayed with us while he was doing all that stuff. It was like yeah. 700 photos or something. Ah, oh, it was so much. He worked so hard on that book and it turned out great. It's really, really good. Amazing. But yeah, it was a, I don't even know if I can do any more demos for a while. I'm still You're exhausted from it. From yeah, it. and yeah, I didn't even do the well, demo. I just well, made well, it all. for Greg to find his Ozzy Osbourne Bark the Moon molds. Yeah, that's so, what. Uh, when Aaron went over there, it was like, I know. Yeah, that was that was great. You did a great job. And Greg's always like, "Oh yeah," but it's like all this stuff. People are just like, (laughs) I know. I'm the same. I mean, I'm like you know, six seven thousand miles away, and I'm was the same. I mean, it was a big deal for me, the Lost Boys. It was great walking through the crowd with those guys, just seeing people like, "Oh my god, it's the Lost Boys!" Yeah, the whole pack of them as well. Because I'd seen them, I'd seen them done years ago at Monster Palooza. But they weren't to that level. I mean, it wasn't with the actual molds and everything. I wanted it. That's why I wanted it to be so accurate. Plus, when you're doing it for somebody that actually did it, like yeah. you have to have it yeah, right. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, they'll. Yeah. I didn't want them to be disappointed by, because they're getting up there and doing these demos too. Like they didn't want to be like, "What the hell is this?" You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You so, did it right. I don't. It couldn't have been any better. It was amazing. No, thanks. And they did such. A, the kids did such a oh, kids, but they're. You know, those guys are all like in their 20s and, yeah. and they, they did, did the such part. a great it was they amazing. Did a good job. And yeah. then they were all really excited to do it too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It was fun. So much fun. So who knows what we'll have, to, what we'll be able to do next. No, well, that's, I kind of went back and forth with the Lost Boys thing. I was like, oh, if I do it, it's going to be, you know, it's like I started ordering parts and pieces to all that like months Months beforehand. It's a lot of work. I actually found a guy who made one-off patches of some of those. Oh, right. yeah, that was, um, that's Dirty dirty Needle Embroidery. Yeah. That oh, was wow. from Chris Dombos gave me that guy's name. Wow. He was really super talented. He made me, like, three of them, and, like, the day before, yeah. I went I went down to Venice <clears throat> and picked up these patches and came home and, like, put them on the, ba- on the, the jacket. the other ones we were kind of interpreting from these really bad pictures. Like, yeah, oh, hey, some of them this. were bad. Because, I mean, I've interpreted a lot of tattoos for, like, sure. Tupac. You're like, I don't even know what those things are. They're just... Yeah, like, three of them crap. Mike hand-drew for me, like, okay. on the jacket. He drew them, and then I copied them onto a patch or something like that. There was every imaginable thing. That jacket was hard. And I, I think I wore it somewhere, too, because I was like, I'm going to wear this. <laughs> tomorrow's party. Yeah, I think so. But, yeah. Amazing. It was fun. Well, but thank you for doing pictures. it. It was amazing. Oh, good. It was it's so exciting fun. It's exciting the thread out seeing that. Yeah, I was, was gutted I hadn't been there because I thought at the IMAX was like, oh wow, you know, there's the original molds and then there's a the panel. Oh yeah, cool. that was yeah. Um, and then and then there's that a panel was of really it. good. That yeah, was good though. It was pretty good. And to have Alex Winter there and everything. Oh, it's cool. The only thing that could have made it better is if they formed a band and went on tour. Well, they had the guy <laughs> sing, you know, "Cry Little Sister" at the yeah. beginning. That was quite something. And he was selling um, oil. Did you see? He no. was selling like little things of oil. Uh, G Tom? Yeah. No, 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 G Tom. Oh, sorry, the guy on the saxophone. Oh, oh right. Oh, yeah, um, Tim Capella. Yeah. Yeah, he was selling little things of. Uh, was he there? I still believe oil or whatever it was. So you could uh, grease... He was at Monster Palooza the oh, year okay. before. So you could grease up your muscular body and get on stage. <laughs> I know, he was, he was working, he was really sweet. I mean, that's how you do it. You have to, like. You have to like. You have to embrace it. Yeah, you have to oh embrace God. it. I still believe. Do you know what's weird about that? I remember we, 
I did a makeup on Michael Fassbender for a TV show called Hex before mm-hmm. he became Michael Fassbender. Right. And I had a playlist on and then that came on. He was singing along to it and we were like going over, yeah, muscular guy. And there was like some story that I thought he died, didn't Capella? But he's not, obviously. He's still going. Right. But that's when you know you there might have been <laughs> that you, that, that you there's rumors that you've died yeah it's like you've made it, yeah, it was unbelievable does he look the same yeah he, look like he t- looks good. after himself he looks really yeah. good he still has the long hair it's a little gray now but still has long hair good body still awesome. wears like the chains and stuff with oh the saxophone God. he does the whole thing <laughs> yeah. he's come out the People best of excited. it oh yeah he has <laughs> he has it's true oh my God. he still believes <laughs> it's true but they had they ended up having um on the panel, they ended up having it was like it was Greg and V and Steve Laporte and one of the Frog Brothers was there and um, they ended up doing two videos. One of them was from Joel Schumacher and he they showed his video up there talking about the show and about V and everything. And then they had a video from Kiefer. He was filming um, the TV show where he plays the um, the president. He becomes the president. He's like the third in line to be the president. And that was up in Canada. It was like in Toronto or something. And he sent a video um, uh, because he couldn't be there. And that was really cool. That's very cool. Yeah. Oh, my God. He always puts on a good Mm -hmm. demo and a good party after after the show with their... uh... Dedications to yeah, it was for V. V was the the dedication this last year. She was very moved. Yeah, it was great. Amazing. All that stuff is really good. So I love going to Monster Palooza. I have to come out to the next one. You have to. Yeah, that's a really good one to come out for. You guys should do a live podcast. Yeah, we have to figure out the technicalities. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. It was so much fun. It was. We've eaten all the snacks. We've we eaten have all the, all the snacks. drinks. There's some chocolate left, but the fries went. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, y'all. Hey, I want to show you this. Check this out. You're, are you a fan of? Oh, yeah. You a fan of the Grinch who stole Christmas? <laughs> this is the antler that he strapped to Max's head, and I've made it for. I made one for my sister's dog a couple of years ago, and. I made this one for a friend that I'm going to go deliver tonight. It looks like a sex on toy. His head. I suppose it could be. Could you could you take a photo of that? Could you I'm take a ju- photo of that I'm, and send I'm it? I'm not judging. So I can put it on the blog post so everyone knows what I'm talking about because I don't want to be thought of as like, oh, that's incredible. Like that's not much of a stretch if you pardon the expression. Um, if you see, <laughs> okay, poor choice of words. <laughs> Yeah. Well, look. Yeah, you could. The, you could one use of them either. Looks end. like it would be an emergency room, though. And 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 maybe and you know maybe in, in, in invite a couple of friends. <laughs> oh my! A four-way Christmas antler hat. Yeah. Could you stick a picture of that? And oh dear. I mean, of the thing, not what it could be used for. Sure. Ooh, we have a winner. We have a winner. Okay. We, we have a winner. It's yes, Darren Pastor. Yes, who won the tools? Congratulations, so Darren. I've already Darren. emailed, you. Uh, I've already emailed, emailed you, but you just need to send me an address that you could, uh, that you want these posted to. Um, so, uh, yeah, Darren Pastor, congratulations for winning the Steve Wang tool set. Obviously, the question, everyone, the answer got the right reply, but we had to figure out on the 22nd. We had 37 entries, and I basically found a random number selector on Google, and I did it uh, 22 times, and the 22nd one was Darren Pastor. So you win, and I'm going to post these tools off. Um, uh, so, yeah, I'll stick those in the post, and hopefully you should try and get them. 
probably so not sweet. this side of Christmas because we're a little bit close, but it's in the States, I'm guessing. So, yeah, Darren Pastor, email me, sir, so I can send you these tools. And congratulations for winning them. They're very, very cool. I still have a set myself. They're fantastic. Anyway, so Yay. just a reminder to email us uh, here at the show, Todd at gmail.com and our Facebook page. You'll find us on Facebook. If you just look up Stuart and Todd or Battles with Bits of Rubber, you'll find us. And also, subscribe. Subscribe to us. Subscribe to us on, on iTunes Subscribe. or um, Apple Podcasts or indeed now on Spotify. Spotify. Which is cool. And you can leave a review and share this with a kindred effects all. If you know someone who likes this stuff, maybe share it with them. Let us let them know. Try and spread the word so we can grow our podcast. That would be amazing. Thank you. Email. StuartandTodd at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook. Find us. Stalk us. <laughs> And then someone sends you a picture of you eating your cereal in, in underpants. But it's, it's, it's through a scope and it's thermal <laughs> imaging. <laughs> and then you can't ask for that. Huh? Mm-hmm. Thanks, man. Okay. Have a good one. Keep your fingers crossed. Take care, buddy. Bye-bye. Talk to you soon. Sleep well. <laughs>